Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. He came into the court of the king with an unusual seriousness on his face in order to ease the tension that he saw and that he was experiencing from the prophet the king decided to go ahead and greet him with the usual friendly uh, pleasantries and greetings. But the prophet Isaiah, skipping all of the protocols, skipping all of the, the pleasantries, cuts to the chase and he asks him a probing question about the guests that had just recently left. He says to the king, King Hezekiah, he says to him, he says, he says, who are those that came and where did they come from to you? A little curious look on his face, feeling a little bit like he might be in trouble, but slowly starts to confess out of his mouth. King Hezekiah tells the prophet Isaiah, he says, well, I mean, they, they came from the far country of Babylon. And then comes the probing question that comes to the ears of the king, that needs to come to the ears of every father and parent that's seated here today. The next question that comes from the prophet Isaiah to King Hezekiah, what did they see in your house? The question just hangs in the air with a rising suspense, and he just kind of stutters out, he just kind of stammers out, well, I mean, I've shown them everything that's in my house. I showed them all of my treasures. Really, Hezekiah? You showed them all of your treasures? Because I, I kind of don't recall you talking about how the ambassador from the king and the army of Assyria came with his boastful threats to destroy Judah. I don't recall you talking about how God miraculously, when you cried out to him, delivered you from that. I didn't recall you telling that story, Hezekiah. I, I, I don't recall... I don't recall when you talked to them and shared your testimony about how you, after Israel had fallen and gone into captivity, how you called Israel and Judah back to God at the temple to worship Yahweh. I don't recall you talking about how God used you to do that. I don't recall, Hezekiah, that you uh, uh, told, told those ambassadors from Babylon. I don't remember you telling them that you were sick unto death. And you cried out unto the Lord, and you said, Lord, I've been walking faithfully with you all these years. Surely now is not the time. And God in his mercy and his compassion, King Hezekiah, extended your life 15 years and actually interrupted the celestial order of the sun in order to give you a sign to say, hey, I'm going to fulfill my promise to heal you, which is why those ambassadors from Babylon actually came here in the first place. Don't recall you telling that story. As a matter of fact, you know, it really looks like 
it really looks like you just wanted to talk about your stuff. Apparently, the faithful love of Yahweh towards you was not enough of a treasure to you for you to mention. And then what comes next is absolutely stunning if you're there. Uh, we're in Luke 15, but I'll just read for you 2 Kings chapter 19, beginning in verse uh, 2 Kings chapter 20, beginning in verse 19, the Bible says, this is what comes out of Hezekiah's mouth now. You would expect Hezekiah at this point to fall on his face in repentance like his father David. But this is what he actually says in verse 20. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. What word of the Lord? What comes is Isaiah says to him, look, because you showed them all your stuff, right? Because you were so proud of that BMW. You were so proud of your professional accomplishments that... The, the, the word of the Lord is, is that all that stuff you showed them, that all your fathers acquired all those years, those same Babylonians are coming back and they're going to get all that stuff and they're taking it back to Babylon. And your children and their children are going to be taken off to Babylon as eunuchs. You remember the story of Daniel? They're going to be taken as eunuchs to the palace of Babylon. And Hezekiah has the nerve to say, hey, the word of the Lord is good. Why is that good, Hezekiah? Look at verse 19. For he said, will there not be peace and truth at least in my days? I'm good. Hey, I mean, I mean you know, judgment's going to fall and yeah, it's going to affect my kids. But hey, I'm good, you know, but hey, I'm good, you know. I'm chill, got my stuff, got my, got my ride, got my degrees. You see, in a moment of utter selfishness, I think Hezekiah displays the picture of a father. Our message today is a tale of two fathers. He, he displays, first father, he displays a picture of a father totally caught up in his professional accomplishments, in all of his stuff that he's acquired to the expense even of his children. What did they see in your house, Hezekiah? They saw my stuff. I showed them all my degrees. What did they see in your house? You see, Hezekiah had been following the Lord for some time now. And Hezekiah, look, you know, I don't want to be too hard on Hezekiah, right? I kind of, I can identify with Hezekiah somewhat. You know, he loved the Lord. He came to Vienna. He worshipped. He was a leader. And, but, but what happened here is, is this is not just a message to fathers, what happened in this colossal blunder in his life. This is a message to government leaders as well, because he's also a government leader. And here is the word. The word is this. Hey, when you exalt yourself in pride, Based on your accomplishments and your attainments, government leaders and fathers, when it comes at the expense of others, especially children, you are inviting the judgment of God. And you need to repent. Oh, but King Hezekiah, oh, I like, he, I, I like King Hezekiah because King Hezekiah, oh, he... He was faithful for so long, and this is just one moment. Pastor CJ, come on, don't be so hard. Isn't God a God of grace? Well, yes. And I'm so grateful that Jesus gives us a different picture, amen? Because Jesus begins to show us 
Another picture of what fatherhood, true fatherhood, is all about. If you're there in Luke chapter 15, the pastor should have given you enough time to find it. And so we have a story in Luke chapter 15, and it begins basically like this. Here's what's going on. Jesus actually liked to hang out with sinners and tax collectors. The audacity. Jesus actually went to parties. Uh Uh-oh. Jesus socialized more than preached and taught. He lived the word of God among people so they could see it demonstrated. And so he actually went where the people are that needed it the most. Tax collectors. Sinners. By the way, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But of course, this is how the self-righteous looked at those people. The outcasts of society. The spiritually religious undesirables. They are the sinners, not us. Oh, but Jesus, he's at this, I can almost see him, he's at this banquet maybe. He's at maybe a wedding feast as he would often occasion. And to the extent that here's the accusation, you ready? The accusation is, wow, I don't, I don't get it. If he's supposed to be the Messiah, I, it, it, this doesn't fit because this man, this is the accusation, this man receives sinners and eats with them. That's the accusation. That's, that's what's kind of flying around social media. That's the, that's the news that's going out, right? And, 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 and he's like, look, I'm going to do what I normally do to respond to you Pharisees and scribes. I'm going to do what I normally do in a situation like this. And Jesus, he goes into a story. Jesus starts to go into a story that paints a picture for us of what the Father is like. Because here's the question that they're really asking. They're saying, look, hey, isn't your claim, Jesus, that you are the Messiah, not just that you are the Messiah, isn't your claim that, that, that you are the Son of God? You are, you are God in human flesh? And so therefore, what kind of picture of God, Jesus, are you painting? What, and, and then if God is our Father... What kind of father are you painting God to be? And therefore, the implication is, what kind of father do we need to be? What kind of person, believer, do we need to be? You have followers, Jesus, but you're hanging out with some people that are questionable. Really? You're hanging with Stormy Daniels? Really? What's up with that? Scandalous. (laughs) <laughs> and, 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 and Jesus says, I got a story for you. I got a story for you. Jesus launches into a story first about a lost sheep. You remember that story? He talks about a lost sheep, right? And, and then he, he, he concludes the story that, that once the sheep is found, it was lost. Now it's found. All of a sudden, rejoicing and praise breaks out, God forbid. And they just start to rejoice because what was lost is now found. The same thing gets repeated with the lost coin. The coin was in the house. The woman is looking for it. God is depicted as that woman that's looking and searching and ripping up the house. And she finds this coin. And then she also calls her friends and says, hey, we've got to throw a party. Turn the music up because right now I have found that which was lost. What I've discovered is these two stories are actually just the backdrop of one story. What you'll discover is he's telling one story. He kind of does this circular thing and he comes now and he tells the story about a father. And this is where you want to pay close attention. I want to invite you to go now to verse 11. Verse 11. The Bible says this in verse 11 of Luke chapter 15. The Bible says this. Then he, that's Jesus, said a certain man had two sons. You can imagine he's telling this now. He's got the the quote-unquote tax collectors and the sinners. They're there. 
surrounding him, right? And, and then he's also got the, the Pharisees and the scribes with their, with their sneers and their long noses looking down at him. What's he going to say now? They're ready, kind of preparing for their rebuttal, right? He says, a, 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 a man, a man, a certain man had two sons. How many sons, everyone? Two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country. And there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. You've got to understand, to the first century listeners of Jesus in the Middle East, with a high shame and honor culture, their blood is boiling right now at a fever pitch. They are upset. What kind of disrespect do you show your parents, children? After all this man has done for you, he's obviously someone with some kind of clout. And so you go to him and actually, in essence, are saying to him, I wish you were dead. I cannot wait for you to die. Give me what comes to me right now. See, in their culture, according to the custom of the day, at minimum, that father should immediately have disinherited his son. You see, with the two sons, the older son would get two thirds, a double portion of the inheritance. And therefore, this younger son was actually requesting for one third of that which fell to him. The absolute disrespect. But here is not, that's shocking to the listener. But here's the, here's the even more shocking thing that they just can't understand as Jesus is telling this story. The father actually gives it to him. Hello. And you've got to understand, he didn't just go to the nearby, the nearest Wells Fargo and just go and just withdraw funds. You've got to remember, this is a high shame and honor culture. This would have been very visible to the community. He actually had to go. This was all tied up in livestock and property, right? This was all in goods and, and, and all kind of different things. And he had to go and liquidate all of that, all of those assets, give it to his son. Son, peace, bounce. I'm out. And he leaves. Not one rebuke from the father. Not one, hey, what are you doing? I can't understand. How in the world could you be so disrespectful? I raised you better than that. You went to Pathfinders. You came with me. I made you come with me to, to Vienna. What? Who do you think you are? Not one word. The son, he walks off in the distance. He's gone. I'm out. Jesus is making a very strong point. This is the point right now why the listeners, their ears are twitching. What in the world? What are you saying, Jesus? What kind of a father is this? Just lets his son just get away like that. That's the point. Jesus is letting you know. He's revealing to you that the father will not use force to establish or retain a relationship. I'm going to say it again. The Father does not use force to establish or retain a relationship. The movie came out in 2003. It's a movie that I initially, I honestly did not want to see because, well, I'm very selective if I do see anything, but it had to do with God, and I figured by the commercial, it's probably blasphemous. I said, I, I can't, man. God's, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. Eventually, it came up, you know, eventually when I didn't have to pay for it, it just came up on the TV, <laughs> put that thing on, saw a little bit of it, and I said, oh, I don't know. Like, 
I see that point. Okay. And, and, and so this is Bruce Almighty, played by Jim Carrey. Okay? His character is a TV reporter. He's down on his luck. There's all kind of negative things happening in his life, and he now does what a lot of us do. God, what in the world are you doing? As a matter of fact, you're not doing your job right. I bet you I could do a better job than you. God shows up, says, hey, I give you a week. Here's my attributes. Here's my power. Make it happen. Let's see how you do. And so with all this power now, he sees at one point, very powerful scene, he sees his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend at this point, played by Jennifer Aniston, and he sees her and he, 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 he kind of stretches forth his hand. You might remember some of you, all right, the really holy saints don't remember this at all. They're unaware of this. And, 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 and they, he puts forth his hand and he looks at her with all the power that he has of God and he says, love me, love me. And she's looking at him like, what's this guy? You want something, man? And he repeats it over and over again. Love me. He's used his power to do all kinds of things at this point, but it's not working. Why? Here's the point. The point is, that's not how love works. You can't make somebody love you. Force is out of harmony with the reality of love. It's just, it's just incompatible. And so God is love. Therefore, God does not operate when it comes, especially, love is in the context of relationships. He's not going to force you to stay in the house. No, God draws by the magnetic pull of his love. The most powerful force in the universe, family, it is not the milk. Have you loved consistently without one flinch this week? That is actually the meat lived out in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the father, Jesus is telling the story, lets his son go. Let's him go. To the utter shock, this is bringing shame on him in that community, but he risks the shame. Let's him go. When he goes out there, you got to understand, this guy, this young man, he's out there. He, it, what do they say today? YOLO? I don't even think they say that anymore. You know, you only live once, right? Party it up. Give me the women. Where's the party at? It's just 10 o'clock. Let's go. He takes, oh, one-third of the estate. His father's hard-earned money. When I was reading this this week, this hurt me. His father's hard-earned, lifelong, what he's acquired, right? Squanders it. Just goes through it, blows. You want some brand new what? You ain't got a car? Dude. Here is a BM. Take it. Let's go. The party was just a week, three weeks. Let's go. The famine comes. And as quickly as the money went, the friends went to. Couldn't find it. And the only job he could get was somebody there, a citizen in the land, allows him to work feeding pigs in the field. And as he's out there with the pigs, he's looking at what they're eating. And it's almost like he's in a daze. He's like dreaming, I'm going to eat some of that slop. You guys know what pigs eat? Right? They're the cleanup garbage men, right? And he goes, you know, that looks not so bad, Novi. I think if I just put a little ketchup on it, if I could just get some ketchup, it might not be so bad. It might actually taste like veggie loaf, right? And this is the point that Jesus is trying to get you to see, family. He wants you to see 
that when God allows you, because he is loving, you exercise your choice, your free will that is required if you're going to experience love. And you walk away from the Father's house. You walk away from life and his love. He says, look, God, it breaks his heart. He lets you go. He's, he's crying as he sees you go. But he says, look, if you go outside the Father's house, you're going to soon discover life is not better in the away from the Father's house. It's actually worse. It may feel good. Come on, family. Of course it feels good for the moment. It will, right? Or else it wouldn't be tempting. The devil wouldn't throw it out there at you. He wouldn't put that carrot out there to you if it didn't feel good for at least a moment. It may even feel fun. It may even feel fulfilling for a time. But in the end, it bites like a viper. It leaves you dead on the inside. And that's why people end up with addictions and all kinds of things because they're trying again. I want to get that high. I want that feeling that I had. I felt so free. I had the money. Let me try and get that. I, I want that feeling again. It doesn't last, only in the Father's house. Jesus wants you to know that the Father lets him go because he wants him to know at some point he's going to hit rock bottom. And family, if you leave the Father's house, you, you exercise your free will. God's like, I don't want you to do this, but okay, if we're at that point, all right, you go ahead, but I guarantee you, you're going to miss this place. I guarantee you when you leave, you're going to have experiences I never wanted you to experience. I'm praying that when you hit rock bottom, you'll remember the Father's house. Remember. I want to talk to parents just for a moment. It's so easy in the nervousness. I'm a, and I'm not speaking from having arrived. I, I, I want to let you know I'm with you. You're nervous. You know, you see things. I mean, my son is two, two and a half. I've got a little girl, pray for the, pray for the pastor. I may take up karate, something, you know. I don't know. I just don't know. But, but there's a nervousness that comes with, with, and God does not call us to walk in a spirit of fear, but yeah, there's a strong temptation. What pattern is this? What, what, kind of, what, what kind of things are they going to be exposed to? And how are we going to navigate that? What if you're challenged to stay on your knees and trust the Lord Jesus Christ? This is why... I, Children, do not ever slam a door. Do not be disrespectful. <laughs> Please understand, no matter where your parents are at, they deserve the respect and the honor. They do. Because it actually reflects whether or not you respect and honor the Lord. And so, so, so there is this nervousness. But please, family, I want to tell you, never use force to get them to stay either with you in your home or in a relationship with Jesus or to serve him Amen. in the church. Don't do it. You see, you may have them for a time, you know. You, 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 yeah, they came with me. Yeah, I made sure that they were there. I made sure they did that. I made sure they came with me because I remember, you know, in my life, and I did it, but I remember, you remember, and if you train up a child, and oh, yeah, yeah yes. we got to remember, guys, family, all of that, is in the context of 1 John 4, 8. God is love. Ellen White puts it this way. It is only by love that love is awakened. So they'll stay with you for a while, but when they go to college, well, they might remember, and God may have done something in spite of us. But one of the main reasons that when they leave, they don't want to get involved. They remember they were forced to. That's their picture of God. Force is incompatible 
with love. People say, well, wow, the youth are leaving the church. Uh, It's not just youth leaving the church. Wake up. Like, hey, it's not just youth leaving the church. And do you know why people leave? Jesus lets us know. John 12, 32, I believe it is. Why people come and what keeps them here. He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. So the very opposite is is true. If he is not being lifted up in the teaching, in the theology, in the practice, in the interactions relationally, they know it, they feel it, and they leave. Because they don't see, taste, experience tangibly Jesus. The love of God revealed in Christ. It's not the doctrinal package. It's the love of God in Christ revealed in the doctrinal package. Are you following the distinction? Don't get that confused. It is about Jesus at the end of the day. And that's what they need. That's what they want. I've heard it put this way. Some people are actually leaving church to find Jesus. Have mercy. I wish I had time to talk about that. That just came to me. People, and even if they don't intentionally say that that's what they're after, that's really what they're after. I want community, they'll say, or I'm just spiritual and then I'm not religious. Um, um, You know, I I can do this thing on my own. And, you know, what they're saying is you're not painting a compelling picture of the love of God revealed in Christ. I want that. And so I'm going to find it somehow. I don't, maybe there's a God. I don't know, but I know that love needs, there's got to be more than this world right now. And I'm searching for it. That's what they're telling you. By the way, that's what some atheists are telling you. Many atheists are very much, sometimes we put many of us to shame, very much involved in their communities. Very much involved in forming community. Very much they care about the less fortunate. Why? Because they said, your God does not paint that picture to me. But I'm going to find him and find it somehow on my own. The Father lets him go. Because he's not going to use force to keep him. Oh, but he comes to his senses. See, if you love... oh. You know what? I want to challenge some of us. If we have ever used force in any kind of relationship, marriage, children, whatever, I I challenge you. I challenge you. Uh, Pray for some courage. Go to them and apologize. Just say, I'm sorry. I guarantee you, one of the most evangelistic things that we could do is actually say, we're sorry. Please forgive us. That did not represent Jesus. I am growing in his grace own it. I've discovered they don't necessarily get so upset that you actually made a mistake. What happens is in the world is that they actually are upset that you don't own your mistake and you pretend you don't make mistakes. And the rest is history. But if you own it, they go, hey, maybe I can do that because I make a lot of mistakes. Maybe I can follow your Jesus. He comes to himself. And if we apologize, hey, if we just pray for them, love them, model for them, Show them that life in Christ actually is full of joy that sustains. And repeat, we might see them come back. He comes to his senses. He says, look, life was better in the Father's house. Look, it may have been his motivation was just to eat. Right, you hear him like, right? At least there was food in my father's house. If I can just go back, convince him, let me be a servant. Because he doesn't know how he's going to get brought back as a son. After what he did, the shame he caused... I'll just see if I can get to be a servant. Maybe somehow this thing will work out. And he goes back. Oh, family. And now, oh, 
change. You think the listeners were shocked and astonished before? I want you to come with me now to Luke 15, verse 20. He goes back, the Bible says, verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. Oh, but this part right here moves me. It says, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. What? Well, I'm waiting for a word of rebuke. I'm waiting for... what? How in the world you dare come back and show your face up in my house after what you did? Let me tell you something. Do you guys know why the father ran? The father ran because in the culture of the day, based on the shame he had brought on that family in that community, according to the time, someone could have at minimum harmed him, criticized him, But it could have been very likely that someone would have come to avenge the shame that he caused and kill him. The father sees him, he says, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to let that happen to my son. Here's another reason why the father runs. You see, in that time when when, when you were an elder or an authority figure in that time, you did not run. A person of dignity and stature did not run. It was a shame to run. He says, I don't care. That is my boy. I'm going for my son. I want you to see that man in your, in, 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 in your eyes right now. He's moving the obstacles out of the way. He looks, he, he thinks he sees, he, he, look, he sees a figure, he touches his son. Is that him? I, I think that's him. You see, what this is suggesting to us is he had been waiting there all along. You see, what it's saying to us is in his heart, he had already chosen to forgive his son. He, he, he let him go, but he was all, oh, but if he comes back, if he, if he comes, if he comes, I have a batted calf. And, uh, and I think the robe is somewhere. And I think that's him. And, and so get this thing out of my way. That's my son. And he runs to his son. Tears welling up in his eyes. He sees his son and his son now. He's there and, and he's rehearsing this speech, you know, that he made up, you know. Well, um, no, my voice needs to be. Okay, Father, I, I don't know. I, 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 I just was crazy. I'm so sorry. And he practiced this speech. I've sinned against you and of heaven. And the father, he, 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 he's like, somebody get the robe. I don't want to hear it. You are my son. Somebody get his signet ring. Somebody, his sandals. What is Jesus showing you here? He's saying that the father, he's saying that the father, what he's like is he is a compassionate father. He's someone that, that when he sees someone turning to him, he's been searching for them, but he receives with compassion those that are turning to him. Just like that father that was looking every day, just looking, it, it might be that he comes, you see. It, I, I want you to, to, to look at something. These two stories of the, the, the lost sheep and the lost son are actually one story. The coin, excuse me, the sheep, we'll come to the coin. The, the sheep represents the lost son. You see, the shepherd goes and at the, at, at the expense of any harm to himself, you know, shepherds actually got bruised and hurt and possibly injured and even possibly defending lions and all kinds of stuff because of their sheep. And they leave the 90 and 9 and they go and they find the one. And so the father, very much like that shepherd, is looking, he's searching. Now, we don't see in the story the father actually going like the, like the shepherd, but that's the masterful storytelling of Jesus. You see, he's trying to show you that they all represent the father. The father goes at, 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 at any cost to himself. He goes and he searches and he looks. 
And when he finds that sheep that lost its way, or like the father, when he finally sees you, right? He's not going to force himself on you. Force and love don't work together. But, but if he sees, even if your motivations are a little bit off, hey, I'm hungry, so let me at least go back to the cloud. He goes, all right, all right, I'll take that. He's turning back. He's coming. He's coming. All right, get the robe. Get the robe. And he sees his son. And he welcomes him back in. He, he, no, you're not a, you're not going to be no servant in my house. You are my son. I am bringing you back. Your high status, all the prerogatives. We're going to get you another inheritance. I don't care. You are my son. You have come back. It's as though you've been dead. And you have come alive. This is how God feels about you when you turn to him. This is what Jesus is saying. You want to know why I'm, I'm hanging out with Stormy Daniels? They're my children. I watched when they were born. I brought them forth. I don't care what they do. If there's even an ounce that, of, of hope that they're coming back, get the robe. Put it on him. That is a symbol of the righteousness of Christ. The signet ring and all of that stuff was just saying, hey, you are in this house and you are an heir of all that I have. I give it to you. It's yours. I love you. Ah, oh, get the party started, he says. I want to hear the music. Get the food. Get the veggie loaf. I want all of that stuff. Even haystacks too. Bring it. How many days did he look at that fatted calf and say, hey, I know you may be just for some kind of celebration, because they did that. They prepared a calf, and I know you may be for some kind of celebration, but look, if my son comes back, oh, you're going to feed everybody. I'm taking, we're having actual lamb, this, right? Party gets started, people are singing. Oh, the laughter is going, people are, what is it, Martinelli's? Strawberry lemonade? Maybe my praise team wants to come. And, uh, and, and, and as they're, he, he, all of a sudden, someone else is outside of the house, and he's in the field. But you see, not everybody's happy about grace. Not everybody's happy about this type of love, this type of lavishness that the Father displays. Some people are offended by it. And, and, and someone wasn't happy about the party. They heard the music. Is that drums? I, I, I don't, I'm not with that. It's too much happiness. I don't know what their little... Is there movement going on in there? Because the Bible said dancing. By the way, do you guys understand that what Jesus meant by the house is the kingdom of God? Angels are rejoicing and throwing a party when they hear your name turning back to Jesus. It is not quiet, family. It's very... You can hear it. We'll just say that. Oh, but the older brother... There may be some older brothers listening here. I know I've been an older brother. The older brother came. He was working really hard. He was working really hard to make sure that his father knew he was going to be loyal. And he stayed in that house. And he didn't do that stuff that his brother did. And, 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 and so he hears the dancing and he hears the laughter and he hears the singing. He hears that music that's playing in there. And he goes, what in the world are they doing? This is... This is a little much. What's going on? I don't, I don't understand the celebration. What's it about? And when he inquires and finds out, it's about my brother's come back. That low life has come back. He dares step foot. Where is my knife? What is he crazy to come back up in here? 
Jesus says, listen, the story of the older brother is the story of the lost coin. I want you to listen to this. The point that Jesus is making is that the father, ah, Jesus, the father desperately searches for those lost hearts that are stubbornly, right? They're stubbornly, yes, in the house, but they're not really in the house. They're not really in the house. You see, physically he's in the house, but he's not in the house. Where is that young man right now where he's upset about the celebration of the lost being found? Where is he right now? He's on the outside of the house. Oh, please listen to this. Go with me really quickly as we conclude. Here it is. Go with me now to verse 28. Here's what he says. The Bible says this, but he was angry. He was what? He was angry and would not go in. This is heaven. His own choice. He would not go in. Therefore, his father, oh, see the compassion in the father. The father came out and pleaded with him. Jesus, have mercy. Pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have, I've never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, not my brother, as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, how do you know that, older brother? Devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. This is very revealing, family. It's letting you know that even though he stayed in the house, his mind was on what his brother was doing. Even though he stayed in the house, he really wanted to hang out with Stormy Daniels. Even though he stayed in the house, he really secretly wanted to look at that porn site. He really wanted to be outside of the house, but he stayed in the house for fear of losing reward. It wasn't about the father's heart. It wasn't about the compassion of the father. It wasn't about the love of the father. I share in your compassion. You're concerned about your son. I'm concerned about him too. I'm going to go out there and look for him myself. That was not the older brother. He did not have a compassion for that which was lost. He wanted to stay in the house. He was working really, really hard in the house family because he did not want to lose heaven. Pearly gates. Hello. When you get there, family, you will not care about any pearly gates. You want to see Jesus. That's all you care about when you get there. You're surprised you're even there. Hopefully you're trusting Jesus the entire way and you have the assurance of your salvation. But family, when that reality hits and you're, you're there, you're looking and you're saying, <laughs> is that you, Bob? Bob, how you do? Where's Jesus? That wasn't this older brother. I just want the, the streets of gold. That's what I'm concerned about. We used to sing songs back then. I'm going to get my mansion. You, anybody remember stuff like that? Yeah, we're going to have that, but that's not what you're going to care about. Is Jesus in that mansion? How many older brothers do we have? Oh, Jesus. That the, that the father, he leaves the party. Take my Martinelli. I want you to take my strawberry lemonade. He leaves the party, goes outside, and he, would you please come in? He now has another lost son. There's another prodigal. You see, that's what the word prodigal means. It means wasteful, reckless, extravagant. Watch this. The real prodigal of the story is not the lost son. That was the younger son. The real prodigal is not the older son, even though in the story at this point he is lost. 
The prodigal here is the father who apparently to the older brother is wasteful and reckless and extravagant with grace. You see, I want to talk to us for a minute. Have mercy. We're done. <laughs> Justification needs to be larger in your mind than sanctification. Because it's only when justification by grace through faith is large in your mind does true sanctification take place. When you get a chance, we were going to go there, but we don't have time. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk by the Spirit. You are going to grow in grace, but it's grace. It's the goodness of God, Romans 2, 4, that leads you to repentance, not condemnation and fear-mongering. He goes back to the Father's house because it's better, not because he thinks his Father's going to strike him down. That's the Father that Jesus painted. Which story do you want? Tale of two fathers. Which, which, which God do you want? Because as Jesus tells this story, Ellen White says... Uh, uh, in, in Christ Object Lessons, page 209-2010. She says that, that, this, that this story, and when he was there with the older brother, this was heaven's plead to the Pharisees and the scribes. It's his plead to us. You've been in the house, but do you share the heart of the Father? Have you come through Jesus? All heads are bowed and all eyes are closed. Oh, Father, here we are. We have a choice to make. There's two, there's two fathers in this story. One, completely selfish, at the expense of his sons, focused more on himself. But no, you show a different picture. You, there is not even an ounce, not even a sand grain of selfishness in you. You are completely other-centered. That's why you are love. And so therefore, you're drawing us to your love. And you want to just lavish your grace on us. Yes, we're going to grow in grace. Yes, sanctification is going to take place. You're going to complete the work that you began in us. You're the author and finisher of our faith. Yes, but first, we must get the cross very large in our minds, in our experience, because we can't give grace if we don't experience it. We can't give forgiveness if we don't experience it. We can't draw people to Christ through love if that's not what we're experiencing. Can't give that which we don't have. Jesus is not just pleading with tax collectors and stormy Daniels and, and, and whoever to be with him in the kingdom. No, he's coming to maybe some Seventh-day Adventists and saying, hey, wait. The party's in there. Would you please, would you come? Maybe we're too upset about the music. or Maybe we're too upset about the genre. Maybe we're too upset about the fact that, that people that don't look like, sound like us are coming in, God forbid, into the kingdom. But here you are outside of the house. That's not where you want us. And you're bringing us in. You spoke to that older brother as if he was still in the house. All that I have is yours. Would you come in? Maybe somebody wants to come in today. And you want to raise your hand right now and you say, Jesus, Jesus, please. I want to run to you because you ran to me. Is that someone today? You just want to raise your hand right now and say, Jesus, 
I want your heart of compassion. I want to receive your grace. Amen. 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 My hand is up. I, I, I want that every day. Do you? And so, Father, at this moment, Lord, just receive us as you received your son. Put that coat of righteousness on us so that we can join the party. Thank you for listening to Living for Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.